Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. You know, people, you want to have a conversation. People want to relate to people. So just remember, you're not giving a presentation. You're telling your friend a story. You're telling your client a story. Your client's a person. Your client's your friend. Just take the anxiety out of it. And and especially in the pandemic, when we're all kind of isolated, that becomes even more important. And, And people respond to that, I think. Welcome listeners to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and joining me is Mary Beth West, Fletcher Senior Strategist and my good buddy sidekick. (laughs) Yeah, we have been good sidekicks, especially this week, I think. Hello, Kelly, and hello to our listeners. You know, Kelly, before we get started, I did want to say a big congrats to you on the presentation that you moderated for the PRCA America's conference in recent days with our friends Tanjanita Johnson from the University of Alabama and Melissa Carter, who has been a guest on our podcast in recent months. So I just really want to give you a big congrats on some of the issues that you covered on that. And why don't you give listeners just a quick overview of what you all discussed? Well, I think it's a really important topic. I think the the title of it was Feast and Famine women 50 plus as coveted consumers, but then overlooked in the workplace as we age. So we talked about the irony that we are powerful mega consumers at 50 plus. We're experienced, we've gained wisdom, but we start to experience ageism in the workplace, even sometimes before the age of 50. So it was a great conversation with Tanjanita Johnson and Melissa Carter as they wove in their experiences of how these two issues have impacted them as an African-American woman and as a member of the LGBT community. And Alyssa Carter, they both had some really important perspective to lend to the conversation. And I think PRCA recorded it. So you can go back and look for their PRCA America's conference and you can find all the sessions. It was a great conference. That's exactly right. We will be reposting the YouTube replay of that session and just watch for it under the misinterpreted hashtag on Twitter and across social media. And thanks for all your support of the PRCA in general, Kelly. And we're thrilled today to have a very dynamic entrepreneur on misinterpreted, a woman named Alexandra Antra. She is going to cover a topic that is all too easy for us to get lost in the shuffle, and that's the art of the presentation, speaking of presentations. So as soon as I heard about Alexandra, and she prefers to go by Alex, so I'll switch to Alex, I knew I wanted her to join us because we all need that tap on the shoulder sometimes to get us outside of our normal mode of thinking and doing things when it comes to presentations in particular. As an entrepreneur, Alex is changing the way the enterprise world thinks about its most undervalued asset, the presentation. So think about the garden variety and and often, I hate them, PowerPoint presentations, which (laughs) as we know, date back to the 1990s. I mean, I, I literally cringe. I just, I hate designing PowerPoint presentations. I hate reading off the slides and so many people read off the slides. So I try never to do that, but it's just hard. And it's particularly even more hard now in light of the pandemic. So Alex and her brother and business partner, James, have spent decades now developing far more innovative and intuitive technology solutions to present content. 
in a wide variety of forums, and we can't wait to hear all about this. Yes, and I've really enjoyed reading about their business track and all that they've done over these recent years as innovators in that space. And as president and co-founder of Shuffler, Alex is blazing a trail in the arena of presentation management, as you said, and this technology that she has created is already powering a lot of different presentation strategies for big name companies and big name brands like Starbucks, Royal Caribbean, NASA on the governmental side. So helping all of these entities save millions by transforming what may be humble PowerPoint slides into truly invaluable public relations and relationship building assets. So I can't wait to learn more because this is just one area where I could absolutely freshen up my skill set. Me too. So Alex, welcome to Misinterpreted. We're glad to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So to start the conversation, I'm interested in how you and your brother, I can't imagine working with my brother. I love him, but I don't know we can work <laughs> together. <laughs> found yourselves on this path years ago and in, in forming a brother-sister team. And second, and how did you find yourself in such a creative and fairly unconventional niche space? My brother, James, who's my you know co-founding partner, he was working with presentation technology since the mid-90s. As soon as laptop computers were able to do sight, sound, and motion, all of the broadcast media companies, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, there was only four back then, for their ad sales teams started doing multimedia laptop presentations because if you're selling broadcast presentations, then you need the, to show the video. What better way to sell? At that time, it was Friends, a couple of clips from How Funny Friends is to potential advertisers. So he's been doing it since, well, the mid-90s. At that time, I was in advertising. And then in right around 2000, as the dot-com boom was going crazy, he was able to spin out and create a company to do presentation technology, as well as design, animation, and creation. And I was ready to do something different, more technology-focused. And we started a company called Iguana Interactive, where we developed the presentation software, but we also did all of the creative services. So coming from an advertising background, I knew how to manage a creative product. So that's that's how I came into play. And I, I helped our clients develop the message, write the presentation, develop the graphics behind it and the animations and incorporate the video and then, you know, the training and the launch and the update. So I, I managed the process. And then from there, the market crashed, our investors pulled out. So James and I, using the same technology because we had the rights to it, started a company actually right after 9-11 with two phones and a ping pong table for a desk. And we started cold calling and we started same thing, doing presentations. And of course, our first client was ABC National Television Sales, because again, they needed the video. And at that time, PowerPoint was not good at video. So, so we had that advantage that PowerPoint didn't. And as time went on, that changed. YouTube came about. Video is completely democratized. We're probably taking 20 videos of this podcast right now just to have in our form. Anybody can do video. So as that became easier, we gravitated and, and evolved the product to, to start Shuffler. And the interesting thing with that, over the course of those 25 years, the client problem, even though the technology has changed radically, has always been the same. And whether it's a, a broadcast company or a pharmaceutical company or a bank or, you know, Starbucks or a, a package goods company, 
it's always the marketing director always says, I need to know what my team is presenting with. I need an easy way to give them presentations and they need an easy way to create and customize their own presentations. Always been those same things. Always those same three, three, three problems that we've solved, you know, for 25 years plus. Right. And I can certainly relate to that. So I'm going to presume that the pandemic has had a massive impact on the demand for your services. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And we actually added more live broadcast features during the pandemic just to help our clients out. That's amazing. And Alex, as you may know, we called this podcast Misinterpreted because Kelly and I, one of the things that we really love to focus on is just different misconceptions or stereotypes or inaccurate perceptions about different issues and really peeling that back to understand what's at the core of that and really getting at what are the solutions to those issues. So we all know that business presentations get a bad rap for all kinds of reasons, namely that so many of them are it can be pretty dry, stale, hard to follow, worse yet, maybe put us to sleep. I try desperately hard not to put people to sleep, but I, I think I've been successful in doing that myself over the course of my career from time to time. But at its core, what do people in business and in organizations fundamentally you know, misinterpret, do you think, or just get wrong about the very purpose and nature of what a dynamic presentation should be or what it can be and certainly what it needs to accomplish? I think the biggest misperception in our industry with our customers is that presentations are hard. They're not. People, they get, it becomes like, I have to give a presentation tomorrow. And then once you say it, the anxiety level starts to rise. And now it's like, I have to give a dynamic presentation because there's more technology. So the expectation is higher. The bar is higher. And a lot of people are like, I'm not a good speaker. I can't do it. I don't know how to use PowerPoint. Like you said, all PowerPoints are boring. How do I make mine better? That misperception that presentations are hard, I think is is the biggest misperception and it's the biggest hurdle. I think presentations are easy. Starting with the thought that we give presentations every day and whether we're doing it for business or we're just talking to a friend, you give a presentation. If you're sitting you know, at a restaurant with your good friend and, and you're catching up and you're telling your friend, you know what, I just, I had this great vacation What do you do? You take out your phone and you start showing pictures of the beach and the blue water. And look, this is me water skiing. And here's the boat and the the drink with with the umbrella coming out of it. You're giving a presentation. Not only that, you're giving an interactive presentation. And then the the conversation takes another turn. And and your friend's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have this huge job interview tomorrow. And what am I going to do? And you said, well, okay, well, what company? And what do you do? You Google search the company. Or what's the name of the person you're interviewing with? You Google search that person. You pull up their LinkedIn. Now you're looking at the interviewer's bio and you're doing all that research. You're giving an interactive presentation. We call it the presentation following the conversation. So people are giving and making and creating dynamic presentations on the fly all day long. And what Shuffler does is we just make that easier to do in a controlled business setting. Because we all know in business, you can't go off on a tangent. You, you have to stay, you know, within your lanes, you know, for compliance and branding reasons and, you know, all sorts of other reasons. We present every single day. That's a really unique perspective, Alex, to think of presentations as easy because you're right. It, 
always ramps up my anxiety when I think about putting together a presentation and presenting. And it's even, I think the anxiety is even more so now when you're presenting online because there's so many variables. Is the technology going to work? You know, how do I look on camera? That's a whole different, you know, have to look at yourself now when you're giving your presentations. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst. So even those of us who work in highly creative fields can be just as bad as those who work in highly technical fields in presenting our information to others effectively. And as Mary Beth said, some presentations can be really difficult to absorb, hard to follow, overly complex, and the worst is when it gets too lengthy. So what are some common mistakes that you see us human beings make in the task of presenting subject matter? And are there any easy fixes? I think it's the approach. You know, what you said earlier about PowerPoint gets really long, it gets really technical, there are all these charts, this and that. I think the best thing to do, even if you are presenting something super technical, and we have a lot of pharmaceutical companies, so there's a lot of, you know, research and data and really detailed slides. But I always recommend that just take a step back and put your slides aside and tell the story. So instead of getting where here's my research, here's my chart, here's my reference and my quote, just step back and and ask yourself, what's the story I need to tell? And then you say, okay, that's a good story. How do I want my audience to react to that story? And who is my audience? So what's going to be most appealing to them? And then you, you put that in your head and then go ahead and open up your slides And then you weave the storyline through the data and all the boring charts and and stuff you have to do. But you have to always step back and remember you're a human being and you're just talking to another person or 10 people or 20 people or 100. And nobody wants to be talked at ever. Nobody ever will end up talking at you right now. I should probably shut up. You you know, people, you want to have a conversation. People want to relate to people. So just remember, you're not giving a presentation. You're telling your friend a story. You're telling your client a story. Your client's a person. Your client's your friend. Just take the anxiety out of it. And and especially in the pandemic, when we're all kind of isolated, that becomes even more important. And, And people respond to that, I think. Right. You know, and with Kelly's public relations firm, one of the areas that I really wanted to ask you about was how women engage in presentations in different ways, whether on the listening end or as a presenter themselves. You know, as you may know, we focus on ways to reach female consumers and leaders via Fletcher Marketing PR. Much of our work hinges on packaging information and messages in ways that she will appreciate most. So in your research, Alex, and you know, the product development work that you've done over the years, is there a difference that you've identified or that the, I guess, the institutional knowledge, you know, lays bare is how women maybe give or receive presentation content that really needs to be considered when anyone is seeking to connect with women? Are there some nuances there? I think, and I know this isn't going to be a a real popular answer because we do and and our, our narrative these days is, you know, everybody's a group, everybody's a minority. And in my, in Shuffler's instance, with my customers, we're on more of a business to business platform. And I find that ultimately, you know, it's the story and the product that leads. It's less about, I'm going to have a female reaction. It's, I think in business to business, that issue 
is not as pronounced as, you know, in, in consumer products, so to speak. So I think luckily for me in, in my industry, it's software and my customers are, you know, business to business sales and training teams. That's not as pronounced of an issue. Thank God. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a hurdle in a lot of places, but I think when you're dealing with technology and you're, you're dealing with a, a technical, very business oriented message, it all comes down to the end result. And in business to business, the end result is sales. You know, what are your sales this week, next right, month? Right. So I think it's a little easier than making that, you know, emotional connection if you're selling um, deodorant or, you know, a cooking product or something like that. Yeah. So as you've continued to innovate and fine tune the software over the years, you know, what are the latest and greatest developments in presentation software? You know, what's on the horizon? What can we expect? I think one of the biggest development is presentations are, are getting more play in the marketing mix. You know, before it is broadcast, it was print, it was trade, it was, you know, websites, digital PR, all of these different disciplines in marketing, social became a new discipline in marketing. And with that discipline, you have an expert, there's planning, there's program development, then there's implementation. And then there's follow-up research measurement on the back end. And based on that measurement, based on how well it succeeded or failed, you then make changes to the next implementation. And it's, it's a circle. Your website message keeps evolving. Your social media message keeps evolving. You keep putting more out there based on the reactions you're getting. Right. And I think now businesses are starting to treat presentations as real assets in the marketing mix, which to me, I think is long overdue because in business to business, when somebody's giving a presentation, the reason why there's so much anxiety around it is because they're usually asking the customer to buy and that directly affects the bottom line. So if that meeting, it's a one-on-one -on -one meeting or a one-on-ten meeting or one to a hundred meeting is directly affecting the bottom line, then yeah, I better be branded. And yeah, the message and the information has to be 100% accurate. And yeah, it would be nice to know what happened in that meeting, what was presented, what were the comments, where is that feedback loop, where is the audience, the audit, the metrics, the reporting, what happened? You know, as a marketing director, who's presenting, what's resonating in my field? All of this information is coming in those meetings. So for a marketing department to be able to pull that, I have a thousand salespeople, I have a hundred salespeople, what's going on in all those meetings and to see that and to get that feedback directly and then reapply it into new presentation or just new slides or updated slides. Maybe we need to tweak this message a little bit and then be able to push it out so that nobody's using outdated content. Nobody's presenting with the last quarter's numbers. Everybody is up to date, they are on brand and they are on message, it's a continual loop, just like any other asset in the marketing communications mix. That's the biggest change we're seeing. And we're actually, you know, we're seeing more companies come into this space. Well, I think it's something that we've talked about. I mean, we're seeing more and more companies and we've talked about doing a better job in our own agency as using video presentations as a passive sales tool. So discoverable content, that's a soft sell. So you're building your credibility and your expertise, but there's not all this angst about, oh, this presentation at the end, I'm going to ask them to buy something. So having the customer come to you, creating that funnel where 
you put the content out there and then, you, you know, you become a magnet for these customers. So I think it's a powerful tool and I'm glad that it's continuing to evolve. Well, and Alex, you make such a good point about the level of effort that is invested in creating a presentation. It's a very concentrated investment of time and resources to compile the information and the knowledge and that information exchange. You want to be able to get as much value out of that as possible. And I had heard another interview that you had done recently where you talked about the use and the misuse and I guess miscataloging of information. And you you made a point that 70% of marketing assets are not used. And so I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the situational realities behind that statistic. Because when you think about that intellectual and resource waste, that number represents, I mean, 70% not used. It's fairly staggering. Yeah, that was actually from a a study that 3M did, you know, when they're trying to keep up with their content. And what it comes down to, and we've all experienced this, you have a team of, you know, brilliant marketers in the marketing department. You got your writers, you got your designers, you got your producers, and they put out this content. But companies are dispersed now with the pandemic, everybody working from home, we're even more dispersed. And nine times out of 10, people don't even know it exists. Or they create it for one thing, it gets put on the network or it gets put on a shared site. They don't, they can't find it or they don't know it exists to even know to look for it. And they just don't know it's there. So in the case of presentations, they're just, okay, well, I'll just start to make one. Let me start from scratch. Right. And to your point about how much pain and effort goes into making a presentation, why do that? Over and over again, every single time you have a meeting, why not take that one presentation with all those resources that you put into it and make it available to the entire organization? And that's really what Shuffler does. And and the, the advantage there is that because in Shuffler, you can visualize all the content. Everything is formatted as a slide. So it's formatted as a slide. It's ready to present. And it's all searchable. So if I went and searched Kelly... I could pull up three versions of your bio and I can say, okay, I'm going to use that one. And I can just find it. It's there. Just being able to, the fact that the content is visual, first of all, formatted as a slide means people can find it. They're not opening and closing. They're not looking in another folder and opening and closing. Everything just kind of rises to the top and, and you quick see a picture so you can scan it and say, okay, no, that's the wrong one. I'm going to go to the next file. It just makes finding the content that much easier. And that's half the battle. If you can't find it, then you're certainly not going to use it. (laughs) I mean, don't go down that rabbit hole. So we make it easy to find slides. We make it easy to find videos and PDFs. That's the, that's at the, at its very basic. It visualizes and formats all content as slides ready to present. So Alex, you mentioned searchable. So Mm -hmm. are presentations now part of an SEO mix? In Shuffler, yes, they are. And it also, it goes deep into the file. So if I am, you know, searching and it pulls up a a 300 page PDF, it will highlight the word in that PDF. So you can see it in the context. You don't have to read the whole document. It'll go right to it. And you see it not only on that slide, but within the other 20 slides of that particular presentation. So you get that context. Right. So Change is hard fought and we get into these habits of just doing things the same old way. So as we talk about behavior change here and 
getting people in business and organizational structures to change the way they approach their daily work and then how they present it, that seems to be the tough part. You can invest in all this technology, but if it represents too big a leap of a hurdle for people to embrace the necessary change, then it's not going to be used. So how have you dealt with those challenges in getting users to adopt your technology in the specific ways you intended it to be used? I always tell my clients, features are great, but content is king. And if you open, say, a Shuffler site and you see for the first time that it has all these really great slides that I can use to go, you know, on my next sales meeting, then I'm going to use it. Ultimately, in sales and business to business, your salespeople, your training people, they just want the content. You know, they just want the, they just want the tools they need to do their job. And if they see the tools there, they see the content there that they need, and they know that they can customize it and repurpose it for their particular meeting, then it's a home run. Right. And the quality is there too. The quality. Yep. Content is king. Right. Well, I I have to say just congratulations on all of the success that you've generated. And I just have to ask, as we're wrapping up here, what is next for you, especially on this side of the pandemic and hopefully on the the downhill slide from all that we've had to deal with, but obviously it's positioned your company so well with, I'm sure, as you mentioned, a lot of new audiences and a lot of new growth opportunities. I'm just curious how you're seeking to grow your company now. The old fashioned way with new clients, growing existing clients to get more users in existing companies and get new customers, you know, one client at a time. Or 20 clients at a time. We'll take them scale. <laughs> It'd be nice if you get 100 it's clients at a time. the old-fashioned way. I, I wish there was a, a secret sauce, but you build a good product. Hopefully that clients need and they save, see value in and therefore they use it and they grow and, you know, they refer you to other clients. It's actually so refreshing to hear that. What, that you just got to go out and do the work? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, I I joke around and say every time I run into somebody who's lost weight and I ask them how they did it, it's the same old way, you know, eat less, move more. And you think there's some magic potion for sales or building a company. And really what you said, Alex, is so true. It's just rolling up your sleeve and, and doing it the old fashioned way. So and it's listening to your clients, taking their feedback and based on what they say, rolling it into a new product or feature. So you're you stay relevant. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's terrific to have someone with your vision and creativity on the show, and hopefully we'll have you back again sometime. So thank you. You're welcome. So to our listeners, thank you for supporting the Misinterpreted Podcast by Fletcher Marketing PR. You can connect with Shuffler at shuffler.com and follow Shuffler on Twitter, and you can connect with Alex on LinkedIn. Yes. And listeners, please do follow us at Twitter handle Fletcher PR. You can also follow Kelly at Twitter handle KD Fletcher and me at Mary Beth West. And a special thanks to our sound engineer, Chris Hill with Knoxville based TumblePod. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.